Man, we are talking to so many agents right now with uh, clients that are stuck. People are feeling stuck in their house, maybe because of equity, maybe because they have some fear. And so we want to talk about that today and how contingency offers work into that in terms of, you know, creating possibility for people to get out, to get unstuck. Uh, but, you know, there's just a lot of this fear. And one of them is like, hey, is the market going to crash? And I can tell you, I don't see any indication whatsoever that the market's going to crash. Uh, no, I don't either. I, I think we've got too much uh, pent up inventory. What were the statistics you were telling me before? Like there's so many people have tons of equity in their home. What was it? Yeah, 70% of people um, have more than 50% equity. Which blows my mind. Yes. Which a uh, couple it, it indicates a couple of things. One of them is uh, how much the value went up in the past couple of years. Yes. Um, and also, um, probably, I think something has it has to do with the average age of person that's a homeowner. Yeah. So they've lived in them longer. So you've got this massive generation, um, baby boomers, generation Xers that have been living in their houses for some time. They've built up some equity, and that's a massive part of our population. Yeah. So, or bar- bought their house at a time where they really just benefited from that that additional equity that you gained during the COVID no era. Question. See, imagine if you like had a house for ten years. And then before 2020, yeah. and then you just shot up in value. Well, crazy. It, times have changed too. Like people move more often now. Um, people use their equity for more things than they used to. So like people didn't take out HELOCs to do home projects back in you know the 80s and 90s. And people didn't um, trade up houses as often as they do now. And right. so like all these things, um, that's where you get the pent up, um, you know, buying, you know, interest is that like people have all this equity and they want to do something with it. They yeah. want to trade up or they want to you know, do a, get their dream home or whatever it is. Exactly. So you just, I don't think we're going to see a market crash or values go down just from a simple supply and demand. Um, The other thing is people are often confused about how do I sell and buy at the same time? And that can be sort of confusing. So we're going to talk about that as well. How much money do we need down? I mean, there's just all of these things. And so uh, it can be challenging getting people off the fence or having productive conversations with someone who wants to move and potentially, hey, getting to them to think objectively about the situation that they're in. And it may be a great time to move. So we're going to talk about that. But also, before we do, please take some time to like uh, this uh, podcast, subscribe or rate us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you watch. We really appreciate subscriptions. We went over uh, 600 subscribers uh, in the past week. So we're so thrilled. We're excited. Um, I hope you guys are getting a ton of value. It seems like you are. So, okay. So let's talk about the contingency thing. Cause this is where, by the way, we didn't have contingencies uh, during the sort of COVID and no, post-COVID hope and pray. Yeah. yeah. Submit an offer, hope and pray. And so now they're back. And what I've encountered with lots of real estate agents, is they're like, I don't even know how to write these. And they are getting themselves yeah. into trouble with contingency offers. And so the idea and, and what I'm talking about when I say contingency, I'm not talking about a contingent on financing. I'm talking about a contingency where it's like, I have to sell this house before I buy another house. And that is always just, there, there's a rub there. That's the most challenging part of this is like, how do I sell and how do I buy at the same time? And uh, it, it just creates a, a challenges for people, especially if they need the equity from their home to be able to buy. Not everybody does, but there are a whole group of people who is like, well, I need this equity 
to use as a down payment on my next house. So I'm not, you know, so I've got, so I can roll that equity from one place to the other so that my payment isn't that high so that I can continue to build equity, whatever the case may be. Of the last 10 mortgages I did, six had a home sale contingency that ended up needing the equity and closing on the same day as their new home and, and using that equity to purchase the next house. Yeah. So and six it, of 10. It is a challenge. Just for my small microeconomy. There's yeah. Well there, and there's dominoes that have to fall into yep. place. We're going to so let's talk about like how to set these up right so that you can create a successful closing um, for your clients. So the first thing, as always, and you've heard us say this before, the consultation is incredibly important in this because you need to walk through hypothetical scenarios with people so that they can see the reality of the situation that they're in, can make really good uh, decisions in terms of buying or selling. And so that cons- consultation is critical to walk through those scenarios and to get people to see all that stuff. I mean, some people don't even know that they can put a contingency offer on you yeah. know, them selling their home. So yeah. they didn't even realize that that was a possibility. Yeah. So it's just, yeah. And again, I mean, we used to do them all the time in the 2000s and, and 2010s, but uh, you know, for some reason, well, just because of COVID, because of the lack of uh, inventory, things were just moving so fast. You didn't have contingencies. And our next point, I think, is to to have a great lender. And the reason why is there's other options too. Um, there's bridge loans. There's yeah. um, you could take out a HELOC on your current property, use the HELOC equity to buy the next home, and then you know refinance finance uh, everything at the end. So there's a lot of options. Having a great lender would allow you to have multiple options to talk through with your client. Um, so it's not only about you know selling having a contingency to sell your home before but i would say that's the most likely scenario because some people don't feel comfortable buying that second house until they have their other home under contract yeah um, but there, there's just a lot of options by the way there. where are we on bridge loans because i i've seen them where they were we did have them and then they went away and now do we have them again Whoops. they're they're out there yeah. okay they're How not as it, common they're okay the yeah so again i guess the lender is going to be able to give you some direction on where uh, to go yeah he locked probably more common now so yeah, just taking it out on home equity. But again, if people, if seventy percent of people out there have more than fifty percent equity in their homes, they can use that purchasing I guess power. That's, really, get, that's true. I yeah. mean, it's a lower risk for the bank if you've got a substantial, like, yeah, that's right, yeah, amount of equity. So, yeah, but again, you're never going to become as a real estate agent. You're not going to become an expert in that stuff. That's why having a great lender can help you provide options and give the clients agency in making the decision so they can make the decisions that's best for them because it might be better right to take a HELOC or take take a bridge loan and you know spend a couple thousand or or a few thousand dollars so that they don't have the inconvenience of having to close things on the same day yeah and that's another thing that we have to talk about in the consultation is what that looks like because the moving trucks and all of that stuff it's incredibly complicated when yep. you've got a simultaneous closing and the wire hasn't arrived. And, you know, so you have to think about all that stuff and everybody's planning. It's like, well, we're going to get our stuff out and then we're going to move right to the next house. And you're like, well, but the people that are buying the house from you are doing the same thing. And it's just, it creates a, a lot of complication. So it's worth thinking about. And especially what I would say on days like this, when you've got double closings, close as early as you can in the morning. That's right. First give closing. To, give the time for, to the wire to be received by, um, you know, the current bank and then them to get the the wire from that bank to the new bank. And it's just, yeah, yeah definitely if, early. If you're in a dual title company, uh, title company state, you know, where you've got two title companies that are doing the closing, you've got to go from, you know, to two different, you know, 
client to title company to title company to client. I mean, it just takes time. So grab that first closing slot. Okay. Um, have a great lender. We talked about that. And then <clears throat> let's say somebody wants to go out there and buy a house, but um, they may not have their house ready. And so you need to talk to them about, hey, like how much time do you need to get your house on the market? Um, we had a situation this last week where I had a real estate agent that gave the uh, people some time, uh, d- didn't put a firm timeline. We'll talk about this in a second, but they got in a situation where the people that were buying the house had not listed their house and were on week three. Yeah. I would say if if your client needs more than seven days, you might want to hold off on <clears throat> submitting that offer. I, if I was receiving an offer and the client needed more than seven days just to get it on the market, yeah. I would be very hesitant. So that's the, always the biggest part of it is the timing and your clients need to be some sort of ready you know, if they're going to be out there shopping and they've got a house to sell, they need to be some sort of ready to put their house on the market in a shortened time frame. And I can guarantee you they're always underestimating the amount of time it's going to take to get their house on the market. Yeah. Because yeah. you, you have time as a real estate agent just to get pictures taken and then right. sent to you and put the stuff on the MLS and paperwork. And it also leads to a number of other conversations too, like um, what are their expectations on listing price? If it's really high in your mind and you haven't navigated that conversation yet, yeah. that's that's another one where it, that house is going to sit in a market like this if it's overpriced. And then that's going to cause problems on the buy side. And they probably mm-hmm. already invested some sort of emotion into the fact that they found the house that they wanted and they've got it under contract. But if it's not moving, then that contract's going to bust at some point. So mm-hmm. aggressive listing prices, all these things need to come into play when you're when you're talking to your clients. There's also another option that a lot, not a lot of people know about and or use. And, you know, I want to be real clear on this because it can get a little muddy when we're talking about the contingency world. But basically, the better decision for your clients might be to sell their house first and uh, do a reverse contingency, basically contingent upon them finding a suitable suitable property in a one week to two week time frame. Yeah. So that that is possible in a contract scenario, but not a lot of people know about it and or use it. Yeah, I I don't encounter those often, but I did just encounter one as a lender um, about 30 days ago, and the the contract ended up busting due to the reverse contingency. The people put an offer in on another house, didn't win the offer, and so they didn't find the house, so then they busted the deal. Um, but it, it did allow them an out. It did. They were going to sell their house. Yeah. They didn't find the suitable property. It allowed them out of the contract. So it works both ways. You know, obviously you'd like to see it where they found the house and everybody got the houses that they mm-hmm. wanted and everybody moved on. But it just shows you that that contingency does work. It's an option. Yeah, it is an option. So um, the other thing that I will tell you just as an essential of doing a contingency is that you need to give yourself time uh, to close. So you're not going to have all the dominoes fall into place in a 30 day time frame. No, it's very rare. So you want to push your closing day out about 60 days. I don't think I would go beyond that because we need sort of time is of the essence and time. And also the more time you give to the deal, the more likely the deal is going to fall apart. Time kills deals. Time does kill deals. So I've had people come like, hey, could we do an 180-day closing on this? I'm like, no. Your whole life is going to be different in 180 days. Yeah, you know, just, people will start to find so many reasons to back out yeah. if you start to take too long. So you want to get some movement and some motion, but you also don't want to create a, a limited time frame that's going to create a bunch of, like, 
impossibility in the transaction. Because if again, you've got some dominoes that have to come into place and we need to give them some time. Okay. Um, now here is one of the more important parts of this is when you write the offer. Um, if you've got the buy side and you're writing the offer and you've got to sell their house, okay? You have to give the sellers of the house they're buying all the information that you can about not only is like, hey, here's what we're offering, but also here's where their house is. Here's what they're going to price it at. This is when they're going to put it on the market. This is where it is in rel relative to the comps that are in the area. The more so if you want to win that offer, you need to give as much information so there are no questions on behalf of that seller so that you basically you're coming in prepared. Here's our plan. Uh, uh, here's the facts, right? Here are the specifics of the situation so that you can uh, uh, lower their fear yeah. about accepting a condition. They're immediately going to ask all these questions anyway. You might as well provide the information up front. It, well, exactly. And it's going to make you look better for the <clears throat> realtor on the other side too, who could say, be like, hey, they're, they're very organized. It looks like, you know, I've reviewed the comps. It looks like it will sell relatively quickly. Yeah. Okay. All right. So make sure that you're doing that. Um, Let's see. Yeah, list a price. Communicate with the agent. Okay. All right. So <clears throat> with the other agent, and we've talked about this before in the negotiation. Um, negotiation, a lot of times when buyers and sellers get into it or even real estate agents get into it, they look at it as a win-lose. Like, I need to win and you need to lose. That's not how negotiation works. Okay. We're trying to create, uh, for, la for lack of a better word, a win-win situation. Compromise. A compromise. Um, or a fair deal for everyone. So it, you want to get on that same page, like that agent on the other side of the transaction, you guys need to be working together to pull the deal off. And let me tell you something. There is a marked difference when I'm working with a real estate agent who is experienced in that form of negotiation and pulling a deal together because they go so smoothly. Yeah. In a winning in a winning negotiation, everybody should have to compromise a little. Yeah, that's right. So it's again, it's not a win-lose. We're looking for a compromise or a win-win or a fair deal. Okay. Um, okay, so that's buy side. So let's talk about the seller side again with the consultation. Um, you've got again, you need to get real clear about how all of this works, what are the potential hypothetical scenarios, what are the risks involved, so that way we can solve the problems before we get to them. But um, we've run into this recently with with um, agents that are getting offers from, uh, or getting contingent offers and, and going to accept them. Uh, a lot of times the agent on the other side isn't gonna come to you with all that information. So it is your job to go ask for it, to go get all of the, hey, when are they listing their house? And to put a time frame on it. Like if you if they didn't give you one, put one on them. Right. That's what you want to counter with is like, hey, listen, um, we'll accept a contingency offer, but you have two to three weeks to sell your house. Right. So that way you're not trapping your sellers uh in a situation yeah. where it's like we're a month and nothing's happened. And if we get another offer, what do we do with it? Do mm -hmm. we, do you have right of first refusal and how much time do you get to make that decision? Right. And then we we're allowed to accept and, you know, override that existing offer, all those different things. Well, I mean, you think about it, like if I put out it, cause if you say it's 60 days out, okay, you cl the closing is 60 days out and you don't put a timeline on selling their house, 
that contract does not expire until the closing date. That's right. So you could just be stuck there for 60 days. So make sure you're paying attention. Give them a timeline. Even if it's four weeks, give them a timeline to sell that property. Or at least you can have multiple dates too. You can have a list date, under contract date, past contingency date, and close date. All of these different, you know, milestones along the way just to make sure you have outs. Because if you're stuck for 60 days and then it busts like in day 55, Mm -hmm. you've got to start the process all over. And now you've missed the summer window when people are trying to move right before school starts and or whatever it is then, you know, it's a big deal. So put yourself in some milestones as the seller so that you can move the thing along or back out as needed. Right. The other thing is um, each state calls this something different, you know, in the states that we've worked in, but it's some form of a first right of refusal and or contingency kickout clause. Okay. So that, what that means is I'm going to continue to actively market the property, right? So I'm, I'm going to put it as still accepting showing, still accepting offers. If we get a suitable offer, we're going to deliver a notification to you that says we got another acceptable offer and that you have 24 to 48 hours to remove the home sale contingency or we're going to go with the other offer. Yeah. I usually use 24. Most of the time people will counter and say 48 and, you know, it's up to you whether you accept that or not. But yeah. 24 to 48 hours is all they should need to make that decision because you either can or you can't, yeah. right? You can you can make it happen. You can call your lender. You can do whatever, see if you can make it happen, or you can't. Yeah. And so it's a decision. Do you really want the property or not? If you don't, we're going to take this other offer. We're going to move on. Yeah, the 24 is I, – I don't think it needs to go longer than that. I don't either. Yeah. I mean, I might accept a 48 just to keep everybody happy, but generally I'm like, nah, you, you, you're right. You know where you don't. Yeah. And, I, you know, on initial offers, like contingencies aside, I give them 24 hours to review the offer um, and everything. But when we get to a counter situation and we're back and forth, I don't give 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Like I start to tighten those windows to, um, you know, because you're really only reviewing, you know, minute details at that point. Yeah, exactly. All right. So let's go to the um, next one, which is just knowing that there are a lot of dominoes that can get really stacked up. Okay, so I've seen this, by the way, where you're getting dominoes stacked up three to four deep. So I've oh, had one yeah. with space. So we've got contingencies and and financial contingencies, and just like there's four deals in a row that all have to close. Okay, I, I've had I've had them as deep as four, and this first person lost their job. Oh gosh. Okay, so guess what? Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Right, the whole thing fell apart. And we're basically having to renegotiate, create these deals. Because guess what? Everybody's contingent on that. And then, so those contingencies are all released because the home is no longer under contract. Yeah. So we had to go basically recreate these. And now, fortunately, we were able to pull it off. There's a lot of, of you know, <laughs> a lot of time and energy put into all these deals, but it can be really frustrating. So you have to be... Uh, wary and cautious about how deep those dominoes, because the more dominoes you have, the more variables you have, the more likely things are to go wrong. And so it's just worth, I'm not saying that you can necessarily fix it, but it's something that you need to be aware of as you are in the midst of all this. Yeah. So yeah, you can wreak havoc on the deal. So your deal is where you have to do is, uh, or what you have to do is to stay above it, right? To look objectively to not get pulled into the emotional part of it 
and to be, you know, again, be a problem solver. Okay. And whatever you do, tell all your clients, do not change jobs. Don't buy cars. Don't make yeah. large cash deposits. What were you saying about car debt? Oh, said, this is a great statistic. So right now, $50,000 car loan kills $200,000 worth of purchase worth of purchasing power. Okay. So basically if I buy a car for $50,000 or, or I take on debt for $50,000, which all cars are like 50 grand now. I know. <laughs> it's crazy. It is crazy. I mean, it's unbelievable. So anyway, so if I buy a car, a $50,000 car, it, I can't, it's going to take $200,000 off the house that I want to buy. Yep. Just based on DTI. So it's like, do you really want to go out shopping for that car and that, and get the car and keep the house that you're in? Or do you want the dream house, kill the car? Yeah. Don't buy the car and go buy $200,000 more house. Yeah. Wait to buy a car for crying yeah. out loud. Yeah. Get the house first. And right now, you know, I don't want to get off on car loans, but leases are more expensive. You know, you know, there are, they aren't negotiating as much as the dealer yeah. at the dealership. So like all of this stuff comes into play when you're talking about buying a house. Yeah, exactly. And I see more often than not, I see people that $1,500, $2,000 mortgage payments and like $800 car loans yeah. a month. So it's like, what do you really want to do here? <laughs> exactly. It's crazy. Well, the other thing that people will do that is just really dumb is they'll go um, put a bunch of furniture on a credit card. Yeah. I mean, you probably have seen that in the lending world. You're just like, what are you doing? Well, I mean, I've seen people run up you know, $20,000 worth of credit card debt right before they close. And then they, you know, do the re-soft pull and they're like, oh, we got to take a look oh, at this again. ETI is messed up. Sorry. That's just a good reminder to, you know, make sure your client's like, hey, everything freezes. We're not putting anything on the credit card. We're not doing, I mean, nothing. Everything freezes. Okay. Um, the other thing that uh, we need to talk about, though, in all these deals is the inspection period and when that starts. Now, uh, when you've got a contingency offer, I don't like to start the inspection contingency or the inspection contingency or the inspection period. Let's say that I don't like to start the inspection period until the house sale contingency is removed. That way the client isn't going out and spending hundreds of dollars for a deal that might not come together. Right. So typically what I say is like, I'll write in inspection period to begin when home sale contingency is removed. So that way you're, yeah, you're not getting stuck. Cause I mean, you're going to spend, on inspections, you know, anywhere from 500 to a thousand bucks, depending on yeah the size of the house and all of that stuff. So a lot of people wait to order appraisals too, cause they're like five, six, $700 mm -hmm. and you know, you have to pay those outside the mortgage. So, right. But the overwhelming, you know, or, or the, the point that we're trying to get at here is, you know, when you're working with these clients, I mean, this is a great way, even though we're, we've kind of gotten into the weeds and, 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 it might feel a little scary, right, to get into a contingency situation. Uh, most of the time, these work out, yeah. right? You just have to be very specific and do the extra work. And, and what I will tell you is that that's this is the kind of stuff. This is where you come go from amateur to professional, right? Is knowing this stuff. If you've listened to the podcast this far, you're going from amateur to pro. You're you're listening to the finer points of how these deals come together. And that's going to create success for you in the long run. And so, yeah, it's not like two years ago when you could just do whatever. Uh, uh, you could just put a house on the market and it's going to sell all cash, no contingency, no inspection contingency, and an appraisal gap. 
the, uh, the key know. is this is a tool in the toolbox. You yeah. need to know about contingencies and how to talk buyers and sellers through contingencies. And it's just an, an avenue you can explore in any of your future deals to use to win any sort of situation. So if you didn't know they existed, go do some research on them now. Listen to this podcast. Do some research after. But know that you can talk your buyer or seller, your client through what these contingencies look like and how to use them. Yeah. That's it. And then the other thing is I would just like, I think it's a good idea to run a couple of scenarios, you know, just to think about, just to give yourself um, a couple of scenarios to work through. Maybe it's your scenario. Maybe it's your mom and your dad. Just think about and process mentally how all of that would work. Right. And if you, and, and write it down. That way you can kind of get a little bit of practice. If you haven't done a contingency before, you don't want to wait until you're in it to do it. That's right. Right. So give yourself, I mean, really great people. So uh, I was thinking about this saying the other thing, training is not something you did. Training is something you do. And the pros in this business are always training. They're running scenarios. They're running situations. Uh, They're going to conferences. Uh, They're sharpening their skills always. So I want you guys to, keep that in mind as you're progressing through your career. It's like you're always training, you're always learning, you're always being, you're always coachable so that you can adapt to markets as they change and adapt to scenarios as they change. If you're a newer agent and you don't have a mentor or don't have a mastermind group or anything like that, try to find one because these are things that you can all do together and not even in person. You can just say, hey, our scenarios for the week are X, Y, Z, and we're all going to write contracts and and then you're going to play this role and I'm going to play this role and you counter me and then I'll counter you and you come to a resolution. And guess what? You've now done a contract class, yep. learned about contingencies, yes. worked through different objections, all these different things in you know a couple of different exercises yeah. that take you almost no time. Absolutely. Do the work. All right. Anything else we need to go over on this uh, episode? Just... Nope. I think the most important thing is just make sure that you're doing the consultation and you're walking through the hypothetical scenarios with your clients. And, um, you know, as you're having conversations with people, you know, you can talk about this as an option, which could potentially get people off the fence. So um, winning in this new market is going to take that professional mindset. So go out and make it happen. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week.